Back at the Federal Drive with Tom Temin on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu, filling in for Tom. Federal law enforcement agencies are wrapping up their investigation into what they say is one of the biggest crackdowns on Medicare fraud in history. So far, two dozen people have been indicted for their roles in a scheme that billed Medicare for $1.7 billion in unnecessary medical devices. Authorities say the criminal enterprise involved more than 100 durable medical equipment companies, plus doctors and telemedicine firms. Justin Bidwill is assistant special agent in charge at the Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General. He talked with me about how the scheme worked. How this operated was it was a multifaceted network of individuals who ran a call center um, and through advertisements on TV, newspaper, radio, etc., and even cold calls to Medicare beneficiaries, they were able to uh, sign people up to receive orthotic braces, that being back, shoulder, wrist, knee braces that were medically unnecessary. And how it worked was once a beneficiary called in to the call center or a call center cold called a beneficiary, they would get certain information from the beneficiary, verify their eligibility for Medicare, um, pass them on once they verified their eligibility to a telemedicine company that would put um, a doctor on the phone with them under most circumstances. The doctor would ask them a series of questions or would simply say, you're approved and would write a prescription. And so from there, the call center would take that prescription and it would basically sell it to a DME company who would then send out the orthotic braces to the beneficiary. And as a result of every orthotic brace that was shipped, the uh, DME company would then pay the call center operator, uh, the owner of the call center, uh, per each device that was shipped out. And the DME company was reimbursed by Medicare between $500 and $900 per device that was shipped out. So you can see quickly how this added up to a lot of money. Yeah, and, and the thing that makes it fraud, unless I'm wrong, is the fact that none of this was medically necessary. So I, I, I'm just curious, did they have a particular methodology for targeting Medicare beneficiaries who didn't need this stuff but be, would be willing to say, yes, go ahead and send it to me anyway? The way that they targeted the Medicare beneficiaries was, if you ever see the advertisements on television, they'll say, at no cost to you. Um, if you're covered by Medicare, you can get this at no cost. So when beneficiaries call in or they get cold called, uh, sometimes the, the, the fraudsters already have enough information. They just need maybe one more piece. Maybe they need to verify the address. Maybe they need to verify a birth date. Um, and so at that point, whether the beneficiary wants it or not, they were shipping some of these out. They'd get a doctor to sign off. They'd sell it to a DME company. The DME company would ship out uh, and get paid by Medicare. Um, so potentially any Medicare beneficiary was at risk, um, and it's of great concern to us that Medicare beneficiaries might, in the future, should they actually need a brace like this, wouldn't be able to get it because these braces have a certain lifespan, approximately five years, where Medicare won't reimburse for the same brace within that that time frame. Oh, I see. So there's a real danger to all of them. Can you say anything at all about how how law enforcement in, in your office went about detecting this scheme in the first place? Because it seems extraordinarily complex. I, I understand you probably need to be sensitive about protecting sources and methods to some extent, but how do you go about detecting something like this? Well, we rely on uh, a variety of ways we can get tips. Uh, we do have a hotline. Um, we do have individuals that reach out to us um, and provide information. 
Uh, I can't get into the specifics of this case, um, but we do rely on you know, people doing the right thing and letting us know about fraud when they come across it. Best you can tell, how long was this scheme up and running? Because it, it, it doesn't have the feel to me of something that you can set up overnight. So we began uh, an intense investigation into this in approximately August of 2018. Um, so we moved on this quite quickly um, in addition to you know, coordinating with several of our law enforcement partners. We were able to take this down relatively quick fashion uh, given it's a uh, you know, white-collar crime uh, healthcare fraud scheme. You said at the beginning of our conversation that this was one of the biggest ever, but put a little more context on that, would you? Is it is it by how much does it outrank the the next biggest? Is this you know is this relatively common in terms of size? No, I, this is one of the largest that we've seen, uh, both in terms of dollar amounts and in I guess the network, the scope of the individuals that are involved. Um, so this is an ongoing case. You know, this was something that. We worked intensively with our partners to, to take down as quickly as possible. However, um, we wanted to incorporate as many bad actors as possible, but it is an ongoing case, uh, as we've seen in other cases, that people get wrapped up um, and you know, will cooperate. And so we're, we're not done. Um, and so in terms of dollar amounts, it's the largest that we've seen in a long time. And in terms of just the broad range of the possible impact as well with the beneficiaries that were potentially, um, you know, victims of this or could have been victims of this. Multiple agencies involved here beyond HHS, OIG. I, I know you worked with FBI, IRS, U.S. attorneys in, in several districts. Let me know if I'm leaving anyone out. But but the question is, uh, what was kind of the coordinating function for all that work? Was it through a pre-existing task force or did you, or did you have to bring together something special for this large operation? So as a combination, um, the one that I would say you did leave out was DOJ, uh, Main Justice, the Strike Force. They were really um, you know, involved as well as the US, local U.S. Attorney's Offices, IRS, FBI, and ourselves, along with CMS, CPI. They were able to coordinate the administrative actions. Um, but we have a, a framework in place with our healthcare fraud strike force that as you may have seen over the last couple of years. We've uh, been able to come together and, and really uh, have large takedowns um, and make an impact and deter others from, from taking this route. But that was kind of the main framework, and we kind of added as we needed to investigative partners. Uh, so I think it, it was just a, a testament to our you know, collaborative efforts over the years, and we can kind of plug in various agencies as needed to you know, get the job done. That's Justin Bidwell, Assistant Special Agent in Charge at the Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General. You can find this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Coming up next, large defense contractors are working with smaller ones to help shore up the Pentagon's supply chain. This is the Federal Drive with Tom Temin on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serbu, filling in for Tom. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 